Hi friends, Erica here, and I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by my friends over at YM Dental Lab. They are offering two free zirconia crowns for all new customers. Check them out at ymdentallaboratory.com for more information. Now, on with the show. So let's get into our next slide, Jasmine. And I want to say that Jasmine was so kind to create a credit balance report workflow. And she's going to talk to us about her five-step process on how to manage unclaimed property. So go ahead, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you. So again, step one would be identifying the unclaimed property, reviewing your credit accounts periodically for any accounts that are more than three years to review the accuracy of the credit balance so that we can resolve it. The next step would be to ensure that we make the effort to contact the patient and updating their information as far as their demographics, name, address, and phone number so that we can send them notifications that making them aware that they have a credit balance. And this is part of the revenue cycle, friends. When I was talking about the registration process, it's not just a one and done thing. You want to make sure every single time the patient comes in, well, maybe not every time if you saw them two days ago, but you just want to make sure that the address is still the same, the phone numbers, they, you know, you ask the patient, has anything changed as far as your address or phone number? I, I find that offices don't do that enough. And then when we're trying to track down the patient, we can't find them. Yep, that 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 happens a lot. And it also would help, you know, in, to implement that with your chart prep so that you can catch the AR that you have coming in through your door, not just working your monthly AR. But step three would be to you conduct that thorough audit. So we're going to, if you're, you still use charts, we're going to pull the chart. If you're going to be in the account, we're going to make sure that we have our glasses on and that we're going <laughs> to sit down and roll up our sleeves and find out, okay, is this missed revenue? You know, does this patient have just because they have a credit, let's use this as an opportunity. Let's see if there's pending treatment. Let's give this patient a call and you're going to call and and you're not going to be like, oh, we have a credit on your account, but you're going to use specific verbiage to say, you know, the goal is to get the patient back in the office so that we can treat them and use the credit. Mm -hmm. And like you said in step two, part of our diligence is to inform the patient that they have a credit balance. And would you say that it's appropriate at that point to then ask the patient, what would you like to do? You have two fillings, you know, we can apply it to the next two fillings, which would bring your portion down to X because we have informed the patient. It is not a automatic, it's not an automatic check to patient, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would be very strategic with that. I would um, do put, give this to whomever does the follow-up calls and say, Hey, see if we can bring this patient to the, are they due for cleaning? I mean, if it's been there for, for a long time and they haven't came into the office, then, you know, let's get that patient back in. Let's, let's turn them over and see if we can use up that, that revenue. If the patient, it does not, if we can't contact the patient, if they say, you know what, I moved on, I'm, I'm, I moved out of state, whatever the situation is, then at that point, we would try to make contact and get the necessary information to initiate the refund. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, absolutely. So what happens when I can't find my patient? So when we're not able to find the patient, we need to put this on a, a report and we need to send this to the state. It goes, it that unclaimed property now belongs to the state. And the state of California has a two-step process in how to, they do the S-cheat. It's called the S-cheat reporting process. And we need to send this information over to them. Then the state of California makes their own attempts to contact the patient. They send their own letters saying, hey, we have some monies of yours that belongs to you. If we can't, then it just gets sent to the state of California. They dispose of it as they please, and it gets put on a website so that the patient at a future time, it, it's forever there. Oh, wow. So it's that unclaimed property, correct? Yes. And that I searched my name on it several times, and unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any monies owed to you. You haven't overpaid for anything. (laughs) Or they're not working their credit balance report. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely not working their credit balance report. That's that's causing us to not be on that unclaimed property report. Okay, so you do guys follow where Jasmine was going with this. So just because you have a ton of credits does not mean that that's an automatic check to the patient. And I think because, like you said, Jasmine, a lot of billers, not intentionally, but I do believe it's because they don't have enough time in a day. And so they're going to go after the money that's owed to the practice. They're not necessarily going to make a, make it a priority to cover what we owe to patients. Um, yeah. I can understand why, you know, the thought process as to why the credit balance report gets blown off. But how long do we have before we have to report it to the state? Three years. Okay. So it is three years, but it's, it's, I think it's a misconceived conception of it not being an actual revenue opportunity. For yes. one, you want to clean it out. Why do you want it sitting there? It's not doing you any good. So if it was missed revenue, if you, someone didn't charge in, there's clerical error, then go ahead and on that credit to the appropriate doctor, close it out. Let it, let's clean the AR. Right. I hate seeing them just, just sit there. It's just, a you know, it bothers me to just see those yeah. balances. Well, and owe to the patient, then let's try to see if we can get them in. Yep. And use that credit as opposed to having to write a check. And so, so Letty has a question. She says, what happens if it's not reported to the state? So there is fines. There's definitely, it is a law. It's it's under the unclaimed property law. We need to comply by it and ensure that we are not fined for something like this. If they have, if for any reason we, we get audited for not refunding their credits, you know, we're going to get fined. And so then we're going to owe the fine plus the patient and potentially that the patient. Yeah, exactly. Then you don't want to lose your patient's trust. And yeah. and they're going to be like, hey, why are you holding on to that money if you knew that it was a credit? It just doesn't look good on our behalf. Is Do you recommend running your credit? I think we talked about this earlier in an earlier slide. We run the credit balance report monthly, just like we run our account receivable report monthly. Yes, monthly. And actually, there's there's an uh, annual report that is ran if you're in compliance with the credit balance law that you would run. And there's a there's a whole other in, you yeah. know, part like that's of a it. whole other training. <laughs> yes, it's there is it's a lot of information because you can contract and out, outsource it to a company that will take care of it for you. But you have to prepare it, you have to work it, you have to clean it, they're not going to do that for you. Mm. Um, 
you just hand it over to them and then they take it, care of it from then on. I know Sovos, S-O-V-O-S is a company that I've used in the past to take care of all of that. All of, so that's a, so I'm assuming that these are extreme cases because there's such a, such a large amount of credit balances that yeah. it's not, it's going to be. So let's talk about that for one second. And friends, we're almost done. I promise we've gone over by 10 minutes. We have only lost one person and I'm sad, but, but this is getting recorded. So for those of you that need to get going, you can finish watching it with the recording. Now I wanted, and I just forgot my question. So we might get done quicker. Yeah, I totally blanked out. I talk too much. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It was a good one. Oh, gosh. Okay. So auditing step four, auditing of each patient balance. So now we're ready. Now that we've cleaned out our outstanding insurance claims and we've cleaned out credit balances, we are now ready to do a proper audit of each patient's balance. And now we are ready to send statements or send them to collections. My personal opinion, okay, I'm going to chime in here, is that if we have mismanaged the dental revenue cycle to the extent that, you know, claims sat in queue for longer than they should have, and, you know, we just mismanaged our entire billing process, I don't feel that it's the patient's fault um, to end up with a surprise balance, but that's just my opinion. I am a practice partner, and uh, you guys know that well, anybody that's working that has worked with me knows I'm a numbers person and numbers matter to me. But in this case, I still feel very strongly about not billing the patient or sending them to collections is what what I'm trying to say here. Maintaining the account receivable. Step five, it's maintenance. Now we're in maintenance. Now we're at a point where it's all cleaned up and it's all cleaned up and we just need to maintain. So you're going to run your monthly reports that we talked about earlier. Daisy has a question here. Daisy, how long does an insurance have to ask for an overpayment? Uh, from my understanding, it's two years. Is that correct? I think she's talking about right to recovery. So Daisy, every state has their own statutes of limitations. So that could be, I know you're in California, so that could be California's statute of limitations to recover any improperly paid claims. So I would check with your state friends, but every statute of limitations is different by state. And uh, what Daisy is talking about is when the insurance companies ask for a refund, typically they have done what is called a right to recovery audit. And every insurance company will do a right to recovery. So what they're looking for is money. And that's what Jasmine was referring to earlier when she said, trust me, they will find it and they will ask for it. And if you don't pay up when they're asking for their refund because they found out or they realized that they mispaid a certain amount of claims, so now they want $10,000 from you, it is important that you you don't, don't jump to pay it, but in the event it is a justified refund, then they will just take from future payments if you don't send that payment. And this is why I am always saying just because your claim was paid does not mean that you build it correctly. And so these right to recovery audits are enlightening. I had a client who received a letter from Aetna who happened, and Aetna happened to be that office's number one payer. So that was the bloodline, insurance bloodline to the practice. And the refund was for $84,000 because the biller thought that because she 
was successfully getting paid for unbundling her fillings, the fillings that the doctor was doing. So if doctor did MOD composite, she would bill it as a uh, M one line. So one surface, one surface, one surface, as opposed to the three surface composite filling. So this went on for about years and they did Aetna did a right to recovery audit and found that they had improperly paid those fillings and now wanted $84,000 back. So being that this was the doctor's number one payer, uh, when the doctor didn't fork over the money, they just started taking the payment from all future payments. So what about when they retro term the policy and we did service due to them showing active? Oh my gosh, Letty, this is a whole other conversation. But in short, in short, it is ultimately the patient's responsibility. It is not the responsibility of the insurance company to know that this patient had been terminated from their position. So what I'm what I'm talking about here is you get eligibility today. We go ahead and render services, but there are state and federal laws that prohibit the insurance company from telling you that they are technically no longer eligible. They ha- they can't say anything for 60 days. So they're going to go ahead and authorize treatment. They're going to give you eligibility. They're going to do all that. So there are ways that we can fight that. I do have a letter, a refund insurance refund letter that I use. And as long as you are not misleading with any information on the claim form, then we can probably win that appeal, but it will be a process. And that's a whole other training, friends. Let me tell you. So for the sake of time, Jasmine, how long should this take? Like when we're talking about AR cleanup, what would you say on average this takes? How long does this take? I would say anywhere from three to six months, depending on the situation, um, where where we're at. I I agree. But I think also, and I I don't say this, friends, you know me, I, I speak from you know, experience myself. I I have been a biller for many years and AR cleanup is not an inside job. It's just, it. we need help. In most cases, it needs to be outsourced. And I say that with understanding that it sounds like I'm pitching to use a third party, no way, shape or form. I just want you to understand that this is a real long process for somebody who's answering phones, checking in, checking out patients. I mean, Jasmine, you talked to me the other day, we were talking about this and you said, you know, you, when you're focused on AR cleanup from your office, you have your, what did you call it? My focus music on. Your focus music. And I think we have the same focus music. Mine is classical music. When I'm, when I'm dialed in to work, I'm got my classical music going in the background. Um, Classical is the, is my jam when I'm dialed into work. Anyways. So yeah, I mean, it's something that you need that time to focus. And if you don't have the luxury of working with a third party, then my suggestion is give the biller or whoever is going to be doing the AR cleanup, give the biller their blackout time. And by blackout, I mean, nobody is to knock on that door. Nobody is to disturb this person. And this is 
dedicated time to account receivable cleanup, you will get more done by allowing this individual to have their blackout time than you would by having them sit up front and answer phones and check in. And even if you put them in a corner, it's still distracting. So that's my suggestion if you don't get the luxury to use a third party. Does anybody have any questions? Oh my gosh, we went over by 20 minutes. That's probably the longest I have gone over. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a lot. But I could I could keep going because this, this is a very sensitive topic. Yes. And a lot of offices since COVID, they really do need account receivable cleanup friends. Account receivables are so vital for you to have, I call it an at a glance look. If you can't look at your AR and understand it and interpret it in less than 30 seconds, you got problems. And so for for those of you that need AR cleanup and you want to do it and you have more questions and maybe you didn't want to ask here, feel free to reach out to Laura. Laura, are you still here? I sure am. Oh, okay. I am, <laughs> I am so in tuned. Yes. Okay. Well, where can we get more training? You can reach out to Laura and she will schedule some time with me and we can go deep dive one-on-one on your particular situation. And I am absolutely, you guys know that I can, I love this stuff. What do you do with a $4 balance if it has not been, if the patient has not been seen in six months? So the patient has a $4 balance? You, yeah, you'd be surprised um, you see that, but those don't need to go to the state. That's because they're not a credit balance. <clears throat> well, I think she was, I, I, I think she was talking about, a, uh, I'm hoping because I would have just adjusted those $4. But if yeah. she's talking about a credit, then yeah, that the anything under $4.89 under it's, it's that doesn't need to go to the state. And we can just treat the credit and make sure that we do our due diligence as mm. trying to contact the patient. And that's exactly what the state of California says is doing the due diligence. Okay. So I got a uh, Katrina here who says, how do you go about an AR on AR? Do you contact the insurance by phone or do you just resend the claim? Um, Katrina, you, when you're talking about working your account receivable cleanup process, you have to call the insurance. Um, Jasmine, I'll let you go ahead and chime in on that one as well. Yeah, it's it's a process, Katrina, of just separating everything, knowing, printing out your AR report, looking at it and going account by account and doing an audit and looking at it at it by what I mean, looking at it is seeing it did the claim get paid? Did it get paid properly? Mm-hmm. Um, it did the patient owe? Did the patient pay everything? And once you've made that assessment, you move on to the next. But there's a reason why that name and that account is on your AR report. Your practice management management software has flagged it. And it's on that report that you give us those tools and to clean up our accounts, we're going to work one by one and define why the balance is there. And sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's very simple, but it makes your AR dirty because it's not maintained. Ooh, I like that dirty AR. Yeah. Hi friends, Erica here, and I just wanted to pop in and give you a personal invite to our next event, Dental Billing Disrupted, which is happening in Atlanta, Georgia on April 20th. This speaker lineup is insane, and we are going to cover everything dental billing and then some. 
If you're interested in learning more about the event, go to the link in my show notes, and I hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. So I, yeah, I think that if you just resubmit a claim without inquiring as to why it has been lingering on your account receivable report, you could just be doing, you know, double work for yourself because it could have just been as simple as a a picture, I mean, an intraoral or a PA, and then you can get paid faster. So it is just really important that when you are at the stage of account receivable cleanup, that you first identify your low hanging fruit. And by that, I mean your oldest claims in your outstanding claims report that we are potentially going to lose payment or lose out on an opportunity to get paid because it's, we've taken way too long to get that claim processed. And then from there, we're going to move into jumping on the phone with the insurance. And that is going to look like, you know, contacting Delta. And I think Delta, how many claims uh, can we inquire about with a Delta? I think it's like five, right? Yeah. Something like that. Or they transfer you to another rep so you can get another five without having to, without having to pick up the phone and get put on hold again. If you get a nice one and yes. you work them up, and talk to them and get yes, bubbly, exactly. You might get a little more out of them. Uh, you might get, you know, seven to eight. But when they are at their capacity, just ask them to send you over, like transfer you to another rep so that you don't have to hang up the phone and be on hold for 40 minutes again. But Erica, um, there's also a different ways, uh, a workflow of doing it that I have found that I have perfected because I would spend hours and only clean up like five accounts on a page. Ooh, do and, share. We're already and, over and nobody has left. I think the one person that left came back. So when, <laughs> when I have a, when I'm working an account receivable report for an office that has 41 pages, that has 80 pages and it, you just feel overwhelmed. I was there. I'm, I'm an office builder. I was an office manager for many years and I know how stressful it, it becomes when it comes down to your AR report. Yes. But your doctor wants to know where are we at? But my workflow I, I like to do is just figure out, separate everything. And if you can see if we have the payment on your electronic EFT, go to your websites, mm-hmm. find that information first. If you don't find a claim on file on the website, it's probably likely that it's not there. Put those on your to call list and mm-hmm. move on and move on and the next one and the next one. So I've mastered it to where I can be more efficient and faster at it, but it, it's... It can it takes time. Yes, it is time consuming. And, and, you know, I like to build in my, my Excel sheets into this because it helps me really provide information to my doctors about profit and loss statements and all that good stuff. Oh, that is good stuff. Don't get me started on a good profit and loss <laughs> conversation. Oh my God. My team knows like every event we have, I'm like, where's the PL statement? Where's the PL? I need to know, you know, I just, I'm all about PL. So that's, I love that you are dialed into cleaning up AR to the extent that the doctor benefits from, I don't want to say benefits from the loss, but, but essentially there is some type of reporting that the doctor can take advantage of for that. And so that, that is music to my ears. And one last question, Jasmine, because I'm pretty sure everybody's thinking it. So you were talking about like your workflow 
And yeah. you gave us an example of how you check with EFTs first. So you're saying that when you're doing your account receivable cleanup and say you have this this old claim that's about to time out, the first thing that you're going to look for is what? The I'm going to go to the EFT, especially if it's a Delta. You're going Delta. to the web, the insurance website to, to ensure that they have that claim on file. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, if, it's, if they don't, then I need to get, you know, send it out as soon as possible so that I put my marker there that, hey, I, I, <laughs> I sent this and yes. make sure that everything is in there. And that's why we go back to, you know, the front desk and, and it's, it starts there and yes. properly training and coaching and just making sure you have the right information so that if you have the wrong payer ID and you've been waiting to call insurance because you haven't gotten paid in three months for a claim, it's first, why are we waiting three months? But if if it's just too busy, overwhelming, I get it. it it's not being sent through because we have the wrong payer ID. Yeah. And it's sad. I feel for my doctors because they're back there. I mean, literally, you know, breaking their backs, bent over, they're getting their hands or, you know, like they're doing the work. It, it, dentistry is labor intensive for our doctors and for our assistants. And we they're rendering the services, they're doing the work. And we need to make sure that we are getting paid for what they are producing in the back. And so, you know, it's to me, when we have a claim that hasn't been followed up on, like you said, in three months, my question is why? Like, why did you, what is the reason why A, it hasn't been brought to my attention? You know, hey, I'm way too busy to do claim follow-up. I may need some help. I understand some people don't want to speak up, but you, you friends, you've got to get you got to get more involved. With- I think a lot of times, Erica, I think it's because, and I I can personally speak, say for myself is I used to think that it was, it would look bad on me because I am not being uh, managed. That's a good point. That's a good and point. I got to the point where I was like stretched so thin. I'm doing, I'm running the office. I'm doing this and I want to be good at everything. But even though I'm good at everything, I, I, I'm awesome, but I can't be good at every single thing. <laughs> You know, so that that's very challenging. And just being able to be vocal about it and say, hey, doctor, let's 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 get together. Let's figure out um, let's figure out how we can work our AR. Mm-hmm. I have already I'm tapped out. I'm going I'm focusing on this and just pushing that reset button. Let's just yeah. And reset. I agree. I agree with that. I I like to advocate to our clients that billing department performance, overall billing department performance is not a reflection of a biller's performance. No. If that makes sense. And that now there are some caveats to that. Sometimes it is a reflection of the biller's lack of caring. Um, you know, because like I said, I have met with billers who are just over it and they're have they have trans transformed or no, they have gone over to the dark side of what is referred to these days as quiet quitting, which is not a new thing to the employment landscape. Quiet quitting has been around since the beginning. It just has a name for it now. But, you know, it is one of those things that unless you are dealing with a quiet quitter, it is not the performance. It is not a reflection of the biller's performance because you said something earlier. You said, I'm a team player and I will jump in wherever I need to. This was in a previous conversation, friends. And 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 she said, you know, because I'm a team player, I never got to really focus on my billing reports. And so, you know, billing was taking a toll. 
you were the biller, but if somebody called out, you would fill in. If a set of x-rays needed to be taken, you would take them. And so I agree with you, you know, account receivable cleanup. If we have an individual um, that is the biller, quote unquote, but they're filling in in every other aspect of the practice, they're never going to get to the billing. And so again, that is not the reflection of the biller's performance per se, but more of the dental billing department performance. So Oh my gosh, friends, I told you now we're at 32 minutes over and Jasmine and I can keep going on and on, but we're not, we're, you know, friends on the East coast. Um, I, gotta go make, I gotta go make my pozole. <laughs> <laughs> and Hey, we, uh, Laura, we need to get together and do our vision boards. And I want to invite our friends to do vision boards with us. So for anybody that's um, interested in doing a vision board, it's going to be a virtual vision board. It's free. Um, anybody that wants to partake in that, then we want to do vision boards for 2023 and we want to put our goals up somewhere where we can see them and have a great night, Dr. Torres and, and, and come participate. Let's, let's do uh, a vision board virtual event. And, um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. So Laura, I'm going to ask that you coordinate that. I know she's here. It's on my notes. I got it. <laughs> I'm putting it in. Oh, I'm like, oh no, did I scare Laura off too? No, no. I'm making sure I get all the notes I need to get. To okay. Get everyone what they need. All right. Well, Laura, I'm going to let you get back to studying. Laura's finishing up her bachelor's degree in business and I am so proud of her. Um, thank you. Yes. And thank you. Uh, also, Jasmine, thank you so much for spending your evening with us and save me some of that pozole. All right, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, it is about time to call it a night. So um, unless you guys have any questions, I will just say thank you so much for staying with us. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Laura. I'll see you then. Okay, my friends, that's going to wrap up today's episode on the Dental Billing Podcast. I can't wait until the next episode, and I hope that you join me. Until then, take care.